So you've seen those Dos Equis commercials, right, with, with the most interesting man in the, in the world? Well, what, what if I told you that you wouldn't need Dos Equis to help you with that? What if you could become the most interesting man in the world one box at a time? Well, that is exactly what Bespoke Post does, my friends. Bespoke Post turns members into the most interesting men in the world one box at a time. Bespoke Post scours the world for great products and brands and develop theme boxes and experiences around them. They let members know the up-and-coming trends in, in, in food, drink, fashion, travel, and more. And, and, and since this is the Building Breweries podcast, I think people that enjoy the drink category would especially like it. In fact, they sent me the, the Dash uh, box, and, and that involves making my own bitters. They sent me the mason jars, the bitters, uh, the eyedroppers, a recipe book, um, you know, the 12-bottle the, the bar recipe book. Um, and all I had to do was supply in the, you know, the, the, the grain alcohol, the white whiskey, what have you, and I could make my own bitters right there. And then I think you'd really enjoy it. But folks, they call this the box of awesome. They tell you what mem- they tell members what will be in the box on the first of the month and give them five days to opt out, free of charge. So you know maybe you don't want that travel bag this month. Well, that that's fine. You don't have to take it. Free to join and no commitments. If you're interested in joining Bespoke Post, please check out the link on both my Facebook page and if you haven't been there, it's facebook.com/buildingbreweries or on my Twitter, MolarMD. Hey, beer nerds. Welcome to the podcast. Today is a very stormy Thursday, June 23rd, 2016. Thank you all for subscribing and listening and rating and doing all those things that make me look good. Um, if you have a request, feel free to send that request in. There's the, there's the thunder. Feel free to send those requests in for the breweries, and I'd be happy to, happy to talk to them and find out more about, uh, about them and, and what they do. They don't have to be a brewery. It can be anybody related to the beverage industry. Uh, I've talked to the craft beer attorney. I've talked to uh, the mayor of Louisville. I'll talk to I'll talk to anybody as long as they're involved in the beverage industry somehow, and they and they're involved in the building of breweries. Um, you can reach out to me on Twitter, MolarMD, or shoot me an email at MolarMD at yahoo.com. A couple good guests today. Uh, a couple guys from from New Belgium. Um, I, I'm interviewing a Nick Floyd recommendation that is uh, New Oberfaltz Brewery in uh, Griffith, Indiana, up in the north, northwest Indiana there. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm now happy to be joined by Dan Lenner. He is the founder and owner of, of New Oberfaltz uh, um, Brewing in Griffith, Indiana. Uh, it's kind of in the, the northwest uh, section of Indiana, I believe. A uh, quick story about them. Um, really, the, the only reason why I, I know about them, and I'm, I'm really glad that I do now, is that uh, I had Nick Floyd from, from Three Floyds Brewing Company on recently, and I asked him what uh, a few of his favorite and, and underrated breweries were in Indiana, and, and New Oberfaltz was happened to be uh, one of them. So, very thankful that uh, Dan was able to join me. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Um, so, like I said, he, um, uh, Nick Floyd of, of Three Floyds kind of uh, first let me know about you. Um, do you know Nick personally, or did he just kind of stop by and kind of just through the the grapevine of, of Indiana brewers happen to know about you? Yeah, I, I met Nick years ago 
when uh, you know, I was getting leaned off another light to Alpha King back then. Right about when Nick relocated three floors in the Monster. Um, though I wasn't the hammer facility, but um, I used to stand behind the bar and pour beer too. <laughs> and, oh, good. And that's, that's when I met Nick. I doubt he'd remember me, um, but his brother, Simon, comes in from time to time and. Uh, you know, our employees know their employees because we work in the same industry and that kind of thing, so... Exactly. There, there, there's a brotherhood that goes on, so I understand that. I just didn't know if y'all were, were uh, true buddies or anything growing up or anything like that. Um, so, is this your first... No. I'm sorry, go on. Uh, no, no. Okay. Um, so, is, it, is this your first um, brewery project? Is, have you ever worked in a brewery before, or did you just kind of start home brewing and decided that you wanted to go pro? Did it? Yeah, yeah. I was a home brewer and decided to go pro. And um, I had worked in a couple other breweries on, you know, volunteer basis, packaging days, and that kind of thing. Um, but I was never a brewer or employed full time by a brewery before I started this thing. And, and when was that exactly? Uh, we we opened in January of 2015. So we've been around about 18 months now. Okay, brand new. When did you first get the idea to open? Um, it was kind of, it was, I had homebrewed for 10 years um, before I did this, and I was probably seven years into homebrewing, um, you know, before I put a business plan together and decided to look at what it would take to open a brewery, and if I could make a living doing it, and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Okay. Um, before we get too much into the brewery, can you describe Griffith, Indiana for us? So Griffith is a little town of about 17,000 people. It is about 10 miles east of the Illinois-Indiana border and about 10 miles south of Lake Michigan. Is it a, um, you, you said it's a town of about 17,000? Yeah, about 17,000 people live in town. Oh, okay, understandable. Uh, so, were you from Griffith? Uh, where you just happened to be living there for your for your old job? How did how did you come to uh, start your brewery there? I, I grew up in Lansing, Illinois, which is right across the border. So I was familiar with Griffith, just you know being from around here. And um, when I started to get serious about opening a brewery, there were a lot of uh, vacant buildings in Griffith, and uh, so like the commercial real estate. Is kind of what drew me to the town uh, to start a business, but you know, after I looked around town, I, I liked it a lot. It reminded me a lot of the town I grew up in. Um, it's working class, pretty hard scrabble folk out here, and uh, it's a good beer drinking town, so uh, the town was very open uh, to having new business come into town, and they helped a lot with, uh, I had to get the land rezoned and you know, file for all the permits and all that kind of stuff, and they were really supportive, and um, so it, it was just a fit they worked with me, and, and I was able to bring an old building back to life and put a brewery in it. Right on. Um, so the name itself, New Oberfaltz, is that named after the, the place in Germany? It is, yeah. My family emigrated from New Oberfaltz uh, a long time ago, um, but yeah, it was just a name that I picked. Kind of. Does does the uh, beer style that you incorporate into your brewery is that uh, influenced by by that name by that German heritage? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We we 
kind of split the middle between traditional German styles and and you know more familiar American stuff like pale ales and IPA and that kind of thing. And um, we typically always have half of our beers pouring our you know traditional German beers and Helles Lager is a beer that we sell uh, quite a bit of, and um, it's pretty much always on draft. I like to always have Helles Lager on draft. I don't. I don't own a brewery. I, I homebrew a little bit, but not not too much to really consider myself a true hobbyist of even doing that. Has there ever been a a beer that you you've tried and tried and tried and just couldn't get right, so you didn't release? Um. Yeah. What what, what kind of style? Um. It was IPA because when I was a homebrewer. So long story short, why I started homebrewing is I went to Germany. And the Netherlands on a trip with some friends when I was in my twenties and fell in love with the beer. Came back home and even you know craft breweries in America. And I was living in Chicago at the time, so um, they were even coming close to the greatness of beer that I had over there. So um, I started making Hellslager and Martin and Hefeweizen at home, and you know triple decoction mashes and you know, pretty pretty advanced home brewing stuff. And started making some great beer. And, um, you know, after doing that for a while, I think, oh, what if I can, this is the only thing I love to do anyway, right? It's my hobby. What if I can make a living doing this? Right. Yeah, and, and you seem to be doing okay since. Um, that being said, when, when you first opened, or maybe right before you opened, were, were you, I was reading on your website somewhere that, were there any kind of reconstructing issues with the building? Yeah, it was a total gut. Uh, the building, at the tap room, and I guess the brewery too, though the dates are a little sketchy on when they were erected or sold, but they date back to 1930, and they were in really, really rough shape. Um, you know, needed, needed a roof, uh, needed the, the HVAC systems in the buildings weren't working right, so the, the buildings weren't breathing, so there were moisture problems. So it was, it was a ton of, uh, I mean, 30, Construction dumpsters, work of walls and ceilings, and whatnot came out of these two buildings. And uh, it's only 3,200 square feet, so it's like a dumpster for every room in the place. And um, yeah, it was a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. What have you learned since opening the brewery about you know the beverage industry in general, and, and what kind of um, issues that might have been associated with that that you didn't really see coming at all? Um, I don't know that. I wasn't surprised by anything really. Um, I did two of the breweries opened in this small town within a few months of us opening, um, and that was yeah. I thought that it would be a, a little more of a draw, I guess, to the town that we would get more beer tourism. Um, not like I was really banking on it, but um, we get our share. But I, I thought it would be considerably more just. Yeah, from travels that I've had and breweries that I've been to where pretty much all you're doing is running into people from other places, not necessarily from that town. Um, but we enjoy a pretty strong local crowd uh, that come in pretty consistently for our beer. Okay. Now, we talked a little bit about, you know, your, your past and what you've, um, what you've kind of expected or maybe didn't expect. What exactly does, you know, you may not have a specific five-year plan, but in, in theory, what does your five-year plan look like? Um, we need to grow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's long and short of it. So uh, we, 
we take a lot of pride in the quality of our beer. And um, any brewer will tell you the more time you take with the beer, it, it tends to work in the beer's favor. And, um, and we've got in a 1,400 square feet of brewing space, uh, which only allows us to put you know, less than 100 barrels of fermentation space in the brewery. Mm-hmm. So if for us to for us to grow, we need more room uh, to put more tanks. But uh, as it stands right now, we're able to supply our tap room. We have pretty good uh, local business. We bottle into 22 ounce, which is a bit of a dinosaur package at the moment, um, hmm. or so it seems to be. But um, yeah, a 12 ounce. You know, smaller format package would be great for us. And then, uh, because I do own the land, um, we can expand pretty easily without, you know, having to worry about leasehold agreements and all that kind of stuff. I can do whatever I want here. Neat. So if... But the, uh, the future has more space. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Sure. So you really just want to grow, and then once you can grow a little bit more and, and build on, you can you can produce more beer. That, that That's great. Um what um well you, you kind of just answered my next question a little bit there i was going to ask what challenges you're facing today is there anything besides the the space limitations that you're struggling with um everything costs more than you think it will yeah uh, uh, maybe it's true in, in every business but um everything from labor to you know food delivery is <laughs> more expensive than, than you get a bank on. all right um, do you have any? Do you have brewery tours going on there, or anything like that? Uh, we used to, and um, we operate. I mean, there's activity in the brewery six days a week, so we kind of stopped giving tours. But um, for groups, when they come in, if people want to walk through the brewery, uh, we we do accommodate on request. If you fill out the online form and email, so I have a visit, we'll we'll show you around. Okay, excellent. And and when they come. Um, what is what is the beer that they should be asking for? Like, what is what is your personal favorite of the collection that you have that you've made? Uh, for me, pretty much all of our German lagers are near and dear to me. But definitely have a Hellas Lager, have a Hopwagon IPA, um, try the Doppelbach, and then uh, our Toadstorm Double IPA goes over pretty big. It's unique and different. And everything a Double IPA should be, but we use. Um, German hops exclusively, and nobles and noble derivatives, so it, it tends to bring a different character to a double IPA than what a lot of people are used to having. You know, they're all high alpha acid, West Coast hops, and, um, and Toadstorm is definitely a unique a double IPA. Awesome, and, and what, are you, what are your hours exactly? Uh, we do Tuesday through Thursday, 3 p.m. to 10 p.m., and then we open at 11 a.m. and stay open until 10 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. On Sunday, we open at 11 a.m. We shut down at 7 p.m. so guys can get home. Yeah, that's good. It's very nice. Um, are there any events or, or, or anything kind of um, in the future that you'd like us to know about coming up? Yeah, we're doing. Uh, we're releasing a new dub, uh, new single IPA called King of Andorra. Uh, it's, we're releasing it in conjunction with uh, Latour de France. And uh, it's kind of a bike-themed beer, and Andorra is this little mountainous country where the tour is spending it overnight. Um, so that's July 2nd. We're doing that bottle release, and then uh, we have our Oktoberfest planned for September 17th as well, and uh, we'll be tapping on Martin. Oh, excellent. You, I'm sorry, you said October 17th? 
Uh, September 17th. September 17th. Okay. I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Very cool. That, that's that's great. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm not in Northwest Indiana very often, but now I have a uh, another reason to go. I, I'm very excited. Great. Uh, I always like learning about new breweries, especially in places that I haven't really spent too much time in. So I know I know I have a place to go now. Um, awesome. Dan, thank you very much for joining me. It's it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Take care. All right, and before we begin our next interview, I just wanted to let you dog owners out there to know of another box of awesome you can have, but maybe this time for your dog and not you. BarkBox is a monthly subscription service that will make your dog incredibly happy. You see, every month, BarkBox Paw picks the best all-natural treats and, and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including you know allergies and, and maybe any kind of heavy chewer preferences that your dog might have. All edibles are made in the USA or Canada, and 100% of their products are tested on, on, on animals and, you know, their own animals. Uh, BarkBox is a great way to, to try a variety of treats and toys from, from all sorts of local and small businesses that you may not have otherwise been, been able to find. Each monthly box is themed, so maybe you have a Country Fair box or Bark Ball, Brooklyn Hipster, and, and many more. Uh, you, have, you get new and unique toys to continue to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. And you know what? If, if your dog does not like something in the box, they'll send you something else that they'll love free of charge. They're all about dog happiness. And you know what? There's free shipping on any bark box within the continental U.S. And, and when your dog falls in, in love with something from the box, you can easily find it again on BarkShop.com, uh, their app where you can text them. You, you know, you can pay per month, per six months, per 12 months, cancel any time. And folks, if you visit getbarkbox.com slash buildingbreweries, I'd be happy to give your dog one extra month free of treats and toys. Getbarkbox.com slash buildingbreweries. All right, I'm now happy to be joined by two very cool folks over at New Belgium Brewing Company, uh, Brian Simpson and Eric Salazar. Brian is working working the uh, the media relations for New Belgium, and, and Eric Salazar does, uh, does a lot of brewing, I hear. Uh, guys, what are you up to today? Enjoying my day. Yeah, sunny hot day in Colorado. Eric's had a beer, and I'm on my way to one. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so uh, New Belgium opened in 1991. Currently in, in Fort Collins, Colorado, and, and we're going to talk about this in a second. But you've also just opened up a new facility in, in Asheville, North Carolina. Um. Just right off the bat with the Asheville facility. Um. How long has that been open now? Well, you know, we've been producing beer out there for, uh, first thing you gotta do is basically flavor match. So we are flavor matched and cleared to go with Fat Tire and Ranger. Um, and we've been doing that for, coming up on about eight weeks now. And then our tasting room, uh, went up just about three weeks ago. So it's all pretty brand new. It's right in the River Arts District, uh, which is a beautiful part of Asheville. Um, and it's, that's a great brewery town. If you don't know it already, there's 20 odd breweries there. They're all a lot of really great brewers for sure. Excellent. Now, uh, just to get a little bit of background on, on both of you, um, how long have you both worked at New Belgium, and, and do you happen to remember what your first New Belgium beer was? Oh, Eric? Yeah. So I've been here 21 years, and I can probably say that my first New Belgium beer was Bad Tire, and I remember finding it in the liquor store um, when I lived in Boulder County, and essentially I was drawn to the label, right? And then, of course, the liquid inside uh, <laughs> made me enjoy beer a lot more. Uh, flash forward a couple of years, uh, I moved to Fort Collins and uh, uh, got a job at New Belgium, actually in the packaging department. That was uh, in 1995, and I've just uh, moved my way up through the brewing system ever since. For me, uh, I've yeah, been here 18 years, 
That's good. I mean, 18 years and, and in 21 years, it's, it's a long time for, for any position now. Um, so for those, of us, for those of us that may not know, can, can you just, and Brian, can you just share a general story of how New Belgium and, and I guess, Fat Tire, how it came to be? Yeah, you know, the origin story goes back to a trip one of our founders, our co-founders, Jeff Beavis, who was an electrical engineer, and Kim Jordan, our CEO, long-time CEO and chair of the board. Uh, was a social worker, and, and Jeff was biking through Belgium when he got turned on to the Belgian style of beers. He stopped at a bar called uh, Bruges Berche in Bruges, Belgium, and um, had this epiphany where he's like, you know, I want to really focus on making these kinds of beers. And so the first two beers they created, Fat Tire was named in homage of that trip, and then uh, Atchie was the other one he thought was going to be a big gun, which is like a Belgian double that Eric can speak to. Kind of a, a more challenging beer for sure, a U.S. drinker. In the early 90s, there were no Belgian beers going on at the time. So that's kind of, that was our niche, and, and uh, we built it. And from there, everybody here built it. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're celebrating your, your 25th anniversary this year, and you're just talking about Fat Tire a little bit. One way that you're celebrating your anniversary is, is with your Fat Tire and Friends collaboration projects, which is, as far as I can tell, it's, it's a huge collaboration project, and it's something that... Um, I mean, New Belgium does a lot of collaboration projects to begin with, I feel like. I, I see that, you know, maybe there's something new every time. Um, is, is this your biggest collaboration project yet, or have there been others? Oh, absolutely our biggest. In, in terms of, you know, uh, going with the, the amount of breweries that we actually are collaborating with on this one project, um, another neat thing about it is uh, uh, the amount of creativity that we allowed other breweries to kind of uh, uh, come up with their interpretation of what they wanted to do with satire. So, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it, was, it was kind of confusing at first, really hard for us to kind of wrap our heads around having so many breweries with so many different types of beer in the cellar all at one time. But when all was said and done, we were really happy we did it, and we are really happy with a lot of those beers the way they came out. And it's really cool when you think about it, you, uh, uh, you allow other people access and you let them kind of run with the creativity and they're going to do things that you really, you know, you kind of are stuck in your way, especially when it comes to that tire, we really have been producing it uh, the way we like it. And, uh, you know, like what Alan Gash has done, I just had that downstairs, as a matter of fact, the, the fat funk with a little bit of Rotanomyces and then the hub, which is uh, an organic apple uh, take on fat tire. So, you know, it's, for us, it's just like, just seeing the creativity and being able to work with that was a lot of fun. And, and Eric, how, how were the breweries chosen exactly? Uh, you know, that's a good question. It seems to me like a lot of them are just breweries we really like. It kind of came down to who do you respect and who do you want to hang around with? Okay. That, that's more than fair. So do you, so do you have a favorite um, uh, collaboration, or, or rather, do you have a favorite brewery that uh, made Fat Tire, like their take on Fat Tire? Oh. They're also different. Uh, uh, I, I would say that right now I'm gravitating towards that uh, that that fat funk from Allagash. But they, you know, they're completely different animals. Each one just really is, is totally different from the next, and that, that's what it's all about. The variety that 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 project came out with—it's just amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it's unique in the fact that, you know, you kind of said, you know, take Bat Tire as an inspiration, and you gave it to all these different breweries, and they all came up with something different. It's, it's really cool. Like yeah, that. absolutely. Um, speaking of different uh, collaboration projects, I got a Facebook question for you. Um, I guess this could be for um, for, uh, for either of you, really. But the Ben and Jerry's ice cream, um, that collaboration, how did that come about? Yeah, you know that came about we're both B corporations, so beneficial corporations. So we uh, we have a philosophy at looking at things a little bit more than just bottom dollar. We take you know the, the planet, the environment, uh, our communities, stakeholders. So we always got sort of this kindred thing going with those guys and uh, our director of sustainability knew their director of sustainability and got to chatting and said hey it's like chocolate and peanut butter we should do something together and um, I mean it just caught fire after that and we decided if we're going to make something we wanted it to you know have a little bit of um, advocacy benefit so we teamed up with Protect Our Winters who uh, uh, raise awareness around climate change and, uh, and basically $100,000 went to that organization from the sale last year and we just announced today that we're doing a second beer with them based on their very uh, popular uh, chocolate cookie dough ice cream. So, yeah. I can't wait. That's, that's going to be good. Um, mo- moving, moving on back to the, to the Asheville facility, can, can you just kind of tell us, you know, maybe just describe what it might look like and, and um, just describe it for us, really? Yeah, it's located on the French Broad River, which is one of only, I think, three rivers in the world that run northward, um, which is kind of cool. And so it's got, you know, water running right next to it. It's got a lot of sort of stainless and glass happening. So the uh, liquid center tasting room uh, has a very open, uh, very lighted type feel to it. Um, it is about half the capacity of what we're doing here. So uh, a little bit smaller, it's on an 18-acre campus. Uh, and it's, it used to be a brownfield, so it was literally at one point like a uh, old salvage yard with cars falling apart. And we, uh, you know, we took some time and cleaned it up, and I think really revitalized that whole stretch of property. Neat. Yeah, I, I got I got a a, a Twitter question that kind of relates to that. Um, so when when I think of New Belgium Brewing Company, I, I think of Fort Collins, Colorado. Is there any kind of loss of identity when you? open up a facility in another region like North Carolina that is, you know, by all rights, completely different than Fort Collins, Colorado? I think that it wouldn't be a loss of identity, but maybe a progression of identity, right? So, you know, I think when we went into Asheville, we thought, we, we put a few key folks there, you know, I'd say eight to ten of some of our, our favorite folks went there, and that was to sort of see the culture to a degree, but their, their mission was not to go there and, and recreate Fort Collins. It was to be open to allowing Asheville to create its own thing. And so it's point again, like we call this building the mothership, and we don't have a name for that one yet because they're going to have to name it at some point. So I think the idea is that you've got, you've got two um, separate but equally motivated enterprises, and, and I think that's, that's growth more than loss. Yeah, that, that, that's more than fair. Uh, how many how many employees do you have at the Asheville facility versus employees at the Fort Collins mothership? Uh, so we're, geez, we're 750 total, and we have about 150 on the ground in Asheville. Okay, neat. That, that's, that's 105, great. I'm sorry. We'll get, we'll be at 150 when we're at full build out. We have 105 tired there now. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you, yeah you, from, from everything that I've ever read, you have a, you have a great employee culture. I mean, you're 100% employee-owned. Um, the benefits sound amazing. You know, you get, you get that new Belgium bike, that, that classic bike after your first year of employment. And I think a, a, a trip to... Um, to Belgium after five years of employment, I think. Can you talk about a little bit more about your your employee culture? 
Yeah, those are two big ones. Eric, you got any good stories about that? Oh, yeah, I got plenty of stories. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that is really the, that is, that's the thing that you, know, you, you would always hope to have in a place that you love to work at regardless, but it's just, it makes it all the much more sweeter, you know. Uh, really coming to work every day and just knowing that you're a part of something like this, and it's really a community, and more than it's just a, a place to work. Um, you get here and it's like a small city, it's thriving, everybody loves to be here. Uh, it's just really no problem to get on my bicycle every morning and come to work. So in that kind of culture, in that kind of, uh, uh, with that kind of job, I mean, it's really easy to do your best and it's really easy to kind of allow yourself to be creative, to uh, uh, put as much into the company and put as much into your work as you possibly can because you love it. Yeah, it's like it's funny. There's like a laundry list. So I do tours still. There's like a laundry list of people walk around and they'll see like Ooh, foosball. Oh, there's a pool table. Oh, <laughs> ping pong table. Oh, you got a swirly slide and there's a bike track on on site. And you're like, yeah, well, that's really cool. But the, the really the most compelling stuff is built around that whole idea of um, shared ownership in the sense of we're all in it together and open book management. So we all know how money's being spent. We're all being very transparent about you know. Uh, good, the bad, and the ugly, and how we can all help each other and lean in to do good work. And I think that when, when it feels like that, it's more like, you know, Eric and I would never let each other down because we're, we're, we're collaborators, right? So it's not like we're going to stick it to somebody up top because we don't like the way things are going. We're all, we're all in this together. And that, I mean, that sounds kind of hippie, and we're a bunch of hippies, so we're on that. But, uh, you know, it's a cool part of what we do, for sure. Yeah, I, I imagine that employee suggestion box is, is pretty filled uh, constantly. Yeah. I think that really, uh, it, it's kind of an extension of the brewing industry in general. And we've taken this idea that I, I really believe that our industry is like no other industry where we are very collaborative. We're all very self-supportive in, in terms of uh, the entire craft brewing industry. You know, every every time somebody down the street needs a box of hops, we're willing to help. But we've taken that and we've applied all those same rules to the interior of the walls here. And, you know, it, it's... Um, it's just indicative of, of, of what kind of industry we actually are. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what. I mean, I could I could use like a small minimal task, maybe like maybe like an hour a week if you want. I'll I'll, I'll work for New Belgium an hour a week for a year, and I'll I'll try to get that sweet bike. I love that thing. <laughs> um, so I got I got another uh, Facebook question for you. And I guess this uh, this would be best for Eric. Um, could you talk about your, your your fooders and do you have any stories that you want to share? Uh, about my what? The, the the fooders. Oh, the fooders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, the past couple of years, we actually uh, expanded and doubled our capacity uh, with thirty-two new fooders. They they range in they they're about one hundred hectares to one hundred ten hectares piece. So we uh, bought thirty-two of those, and they were actually in pretty rough shape. Um, so over a period of a year and a half, my job and, and the crew of people I work with was to refurbish these old fooders. And I learned more in that two years refurbishing those fooders than I knew about fooders in, in 15 years, you know, of, of working with them. Um, let, let, let me let me inter- let interrupt. Let me, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me interrupt you just for a second here, um, just for the the casual li- listener. Can you kind of explain what a fooder is? Yeah, a fooder essentially just means large oak barrel. So these things are they're French oak. Um, they're about two stories high. And they're built just like a barrel, you know. They have hoops, and uh, they're they're real beautiful, and they're just, they're they're really nice to be around. You can just picture a giant barrel up on its end, uh, two stories high. Wow. Yeah. So uh, 
you know, refurbishing these things, getting to know them inside and out, and and being able to be a part of of setting them in the place where they go, and uh, and then eventually filling them with beer. Just you know, it's taking it's taking it from the ground floor and then taking it all the way out the door. You know, uh, um, we actually within two years we were using the beer that was in the earliest hooters that we that we filled out of this expansion, and that really feels good. Um, you know, actually drinking and enjoying the beer that came from the fooders that you you restored essentially from, you know, something that was going to be thrown away for the most part um, to something that is actually uh, producing beer and is going to continue to produce beer from now to the foreseeable future. And they're all a little bit different, which I think is really interesting. Like, you have to have to tell for that. Yeah, you really do. Uh, they all have their own personalities, for sure. And, of course, they all come with their own set of problems, uh, especially when we're talking about uh, used fooders. And, we, we use the used fooders because they, they're barrel neutral, right? The wine industry has already drawn all the tannins out of them. So for us, it's advantageous to have those barrels used. Um, that doesn't always mean that you're going to get the, the uh, best shaped barrel, right? right? But that just makes my job interesting. And, and uh, I get to know each barrel and I get to know uh, what's wrong with it, how it's going to react with the beer. Uh, uh, every barrel set in a different place in the room, so it has different airflow. It's just so many little tiny things about each fooder that I really do say that each of them has their own personality. Excellent. Um, go, going back to uh, some different collaboration projects, um, I, I, I neglected to bring up um, the Lips of Faith uh, collaboration project is, is going on right now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's, uh, so we do four beers a year that we put into our Lips of Faith category. And this year, before our 25th anniversary, we decided to collaborate with all uh, Belgian brewers from the motherland. So we've been doing that in uh, one form uh, called Transatlantic Creek for a number of years. And we did that beer. That was part of our initial launch uh, to our Lost in the Woods party here in February. And that was with Oud Beersel. So that's a, that's a wood beer, and you can talk to that one. Yeah, you know, uh, Oud Beersel, they're, they're uh, a very traditional lambic producer. And uh, for us to be able to work with those guys here, very traditional mindset about how to produce uh, lambic beers and, and uh, sour beers in that in beautiful Belgian tradition. Um, for us to be able to work with them and kind of draw from what they're doing and, and, and then blend the liquids together, uh, that's super exciting for us. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, when the, when the owners and the brewers come out and we get to talk with them a little bit, we always learn something from each other. I bet, I bet I learn more from them than they do from me, but, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah, so that's a great one. That one launched the uh, the campaign, and then uh, just recently we did one with Thompson Beaumont, which is a very small farmhouse brewery there, and I got to visit last year. It was beautiful. Uh, we've got one coming up with the Koenig, which is a flowering citrus, um, and then we've got one coming up with Antoine, uh, which is a dark spice ale, and she is the first female brewer out of Orval, huh. an actual Baptist brewery. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Um, and this, this question could be really for both of you, uh, and, it's, and it's kind of vague, so take, you know, do with it what you will. Um, but so the, the goal of any business is, is to grow and, and pretty much be better than the year before, at least that's a goal of, of a business. How is, how is 2016 New Belgium shaping up to be better than 2015 New Belgium? <laughs> well, uh, it's going to be a great while. One thing is that 2015, we were, we were at capacity here, right? So we couldn't make any more beer. So one way it's going to be immediately, it is immediately better is that we have a second brewery. And that's a huge thing for us, you know? So now we're able to uh, 
fulfill that whole Northeast territory. We're opening new states. We just went into New York, in New Jersey, and Connecticut this week. We're actually opening like today, Connecticut, Rhode Island, I should say. New Jersey's been a few weeks now. Um, so opening new markets. We have a second brewery online. That's all big. Um, we have a, kind of a smash hit with Citradelic IPA. It's a Sandry-infused IPA. It's the number one craft beer launch of the year. So um, didn't have that going last year, so that's fun and exciting. Yeah. And then just, you know, it being your 25th year, I think that's the time a time to reflect a little bit, but it's also a time to think about, hey, man, what's the next 25 look like? It, it, um, that gets you excited, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any um, upcoming events or anything that you'd like to share? Any any news coming up? You know, in the next six months or so. Yeah, you got anything? <laughs> we, we have a lot of stuff. Um, we actually have for our 25th anniversary in August, August 27th. And in fact, we're having our um, sort of our official anniversary party and the actual grand opening of that facility in Asheville, North Carolina. So if you're in the region, you can probably get uh, tickets to that one. Uh, so that's a big deal, but we're also in the middle of our Tour de Bath, uh, which is our summer uh, philanthropic bike festival. It goes city to city. We're doing nine cities this year. We raise money for bike nonprofits. We just did D.C. We've got Chicago coming up. Um, and it's a costume bike parade and a dance park, and there's music, beer, and all the money benefits local nonprofits. So that's a big one. And then, you know, if you go to the website and you go to our event page, there's just a myriad things to do all summer long. All, all events going on everywhere. Um, guys, I'll tell you what, it's, it's been a pleasure to speak with both of you. Um, man, not, not only do I want to go have a beer right now, I kind of want to just go ride a bike. Yeah, man, that's been our job done. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. Have a great week, okay? Thank you very much. Have a good one. Yep, cheers.